You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast with Mike and Mike. Howdy, sir. Howdy. How are you, my friend? I am peachy keen, although to be honest, uh, I'm a little less peachy and a little less keen because I just spent a couple hours in traffic. So that, uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to be working. Uh, the listeners are going to allow uh, have fun listening to me work my way through that during the course of this episode. Oh, lucky Decompress. you. Decompress. That's a good way to do it. And, you know, you'll hear him start, you know, grumbling about what our main topic is later. So it should be awesome to hear. But, you know, we are excited because we are starting a new little segment here on the show where we're going to be introducing Alex Autry and Ashley Pauls, your movie reviewers, and Mike, of course, is going to be joining us. Uh, But we're going to be introducing Ashley to new movies she hasn't seen yet. Most of them are going to be classics or semi-classics or like tonight's movie, UHF, by Weird Al Yankovic, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary. So it should be, you know, interesting to do to get her take on it, especially, you know, she did a great job doing reviews with you, Mike, on Patreon and also in her blog, where she did some pretty amazing movies like True Classics. So it was actually a lot of fun to hear. So. You know, it's going to be fun to do, and we definitely want to hear from you guys at home. So please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. So, you know, find out, you know, what's going on with everything. We have a great Facebook page. We have, you know, a great social media presence now. We're up on Instagram. We're up on Twitter. We're, you know, up pretty much everywhere you could think of people where people post, we post. And, you know, Earth Station One is up there, Earth Station Who, all the other shows of the ESO network is up there. And that's pretty cool. So definitely give us a listen. And we definitely appreciate everybody for everything they do. So pretty cool. So let's get started, though, with this week's Rants and Raves, where we find out what's on our minds. And, Mike, we have a pretty big event happening this weekend. Yes, we do, brother. Boy, it's funny how, like, we always just go into Hulkamania. Uh, like um, sounds just because it's like WWE wrestling WrestleMania. Even though he hasn't wrestled in a decade, it's still like his presence still looms over. But um, no, this weekend is WrestleMania weekend and uh, and everything that entails. So yes, forgive us, uh, Weird Al fans. You can fast forward to the um, little bit with um, uh, or the next interview. You can the ne- you should listen to the Geek Seat segment. So, uh, well, but um, but if you it's technically if you, not a Geek Seat segment, but you know, right, right, I, exactly, right. So yes, fool, you're fooled. It's just spoilers. Um, but uh, um, uh, yeah. So uh, you'll have to put up with our wrestling nonsense talk for a little while because yeah, it's that time of year, and uh, I'm excited. I mean, WrestleMania, like the time between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania, is one of my favorite times of year. For wrestling, I just love it, love it, love it. Uh, this year's been crazy. Um, I read an article, and I don't know if it's true, but I read an article that said because it, well, it was on the internet, and I read it today on April first, so it must be true um, uh, that uh, that this year the WWE is really um, it's the most chaotic and underprepared they've ever been for WrestleMania. 
Uh, they had a lot of factors going into this WrestleMania that they didn't weren't sure about until the last minute. So they've kind of had to like just adapt on the fly. Um, they didn't know if Roman Reigns was going to be able to wrestle. They didn't know if John Cena was going to wrestle. They didn't know if Undertaker was going to wrestle. So there was a lot of questions. Um, so they had to kind of make do with a lot of weird matchups and yet they still have at least as of this, at this, this recording, they have at least 14 matches on the card, which is a lot. So and um, we're not doing any April fools. No, 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 no. This is not an April fools. This is, yeah, this, this is completely, uh, well, I mean, we might look like April fools, uh, if we uh, predict wrong, but, um, um, uh, yeah, so this is, this is a complete, uh, weird card, but I guess Mike will just go through the card and, uh, just basically state, you know, whatever, however you feel about it. Um, we're going to start with, a at least on, this is on, um, the Wikipedia site as far as what the matches will look like to be. Now there could be more added to this. There, this might, there might be some, some subtracted from this. They, this might alter. We still got about five days to go. So, um, uh, but we're going to start with uh, the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royale, which uh, was going to be called, named after a wrestler, but then they decided that she was not worthy of that name. So now they just call it a Women's Battle Royale. Um, uh, I, like I said, I don't think this has been officially announced yet. But so I, you know, this is just an excuse to get all the other women who are not participating in any other event. Uh, which is a lot, actually. Um, there's a lot of women events. Uh, there's actually eight women. I'm sorry, did I count that wrong? Six women, sorry. Appear no no, eight women appearing in a tag match uh later on, and then three women appearing for a title match, two title match. So there's so you've already got a lot of women booked up. I don't know, do they have enough for their battle royale? Maybe they have to I, I think they do. NXT. They might pull NXT people like you yeah. were just saying. But but it's gonna be interesting because like you had mentioned earlier and like it's been all over the news. This is groundbreaking because you have a main event of women headlining this time yes. for the first time ever. Yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring, I was going to lead up to that, but, um, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, it is, it is something that I think everybody, like I, even people who don't know wrestling are probably like, Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, there's a lot of thoughts that go into that, but the, the actually the women's battle Royale, and we'll skip, uh, I'll skip ahead to the, to the Andre the giant Memorial battle Royale, which is the men's. I don't, really think these matter at all uh sometimes they're f- kind of fun and entertaining but i i don't really i can't predict who will win because who knows what they're thinking but i don't think they're really even i don't know do you want to make any sort of prediction or have any thoughts about either one of these well i wouldn't be shocked if oscar was participating in the women's battle royal and i wouldn't be surprised if she won that one um i would be surprised if she participated at all so um and really uh, yeah um how do you say that i think they've got something different in mind for oscar uh at a house show uh she recently lost the belt to the smackdown women's champion uh charlotte flair and at a house show she attacked her uh oscar attacked charlotte during a match uh just out of the blue um and i think uh we're going to see that play out at wrestlemania somehow some way oscar is going to make herself known but i don't think it's going to be during uh the battle royale and if they just figure they gave would give her this as a as a consolation prize well boo on them because that's that's not the way you that's not the way you should use Oscar. she's but too good she's too good of a wrestler absolutely. i don't want to see her in this let's put it that way no um so um 
Any thoughts about the men? Um, I would be shocked if Braun doesn't win it. Uh, I hope it's not the guys from SNL. That would be stupid. <laughs> but yet you could see them doing that. Um, like the year they had Jim, what was it? Drew Carey come out to do the Royal Rumble. Exactly. Right. So, all right. So now we'll move on to some non-title matches. Uh, One is Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. Again, they weren't sure that Roman would be ready to wrestle at uh, WrestleMania. Um, He hasn't wrestled a singles match, a whole singles match yet. Um, At least not as of right now when we're recording this. Um, What do you think? Um, I would be shocked if Roman doesn't win. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, and, and now the crowd's really behind him. Uh, yeah, he, they're actually not booing him, folks. <laughs> no, actually, it's awesome. Uh, when Drew McIntyre was beating the snot out of Dean uh, last week, uh, they were actually Roman chants. Uh, so Roman Reigns is back on the fans' good graces. Uh, all it take was, all it took was him to have cancer. Um, but, uh, Anyway, I I think you're right. I think Roman beats him, and, uh, you know, uh, that's just a, a feud. I mean, will it be a good match, you think? Oh, I think it'll be a good match, uh, as good of a match as Roman does. I'm not the biggest Roman Reigns fan, and I do like Drew McIntyre, but I don't, you know, or it might be a disqualification. Someone else might get involved or something. So, you know. That could be the only, you know, every match in wrestling, there could always be some kind of, you know, non-clean win for the wrestlers and their DQs. But I definitely think this is Roman's comeback and this is his first step. But I think Drew is an up-and-comer in WWE. Drew's been around forever. So, yeah, yeah. you know, he but, you know. not me yet. So, I, I don't know. Maybe this will, but I don't. Uh, neither of these two guys, I don't expect much out of this match, to be honest with you. Um, so we'll, I don't think it's going to suck, but I don't expect a lot. So we'll just see what they bring. Okay. um, What's next? Um, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. That's a feud, uh, that didn't have much to go on, but yet here they are, uh, two good workers. At least, uh, one is the best in the company. I think AJ Styles. The other, eh, not so much. But, um, I mean, he's a good worker. Randy is a good worker. So this match should be entertaining at least, right? Oh, I definitely think you'll definitely see, you know, the styles clash. You'll definitely see, you know, you'll definitely see the, you know, out of nowhere, you know, you know, Randy doing his thing. And so I definitely think I wouldn't be surprised if um, Randy actually wins. Okay. Then that feud continues. Yeah, exactly. It'll go on for a while. Exactly. Because that is somewhere, something out of nowhere. It hasn't really built anything yet. Uh, then you have, uh, and again, another non-title match, but uh, one of significance. Uh, Kurt Angle has announced this will be his last match uh, in-ring competition. Uh, he'll be facing Baron Corbin. Um, Kurt has been, uh, Kurt doesn't look like, you know, I mean, he looks pretty rough. Uh, Baron's an up-and-comer. Um, I, I I would expect Kurt to win this just as a feel good moment, but no idea. Uh, there's rumors that John Cena has been trolling, uh, wanting to become part of this match. Uh, I don't know if that would happen. Uh, John Cena is not on the card anywhere. Uh, but, uh, to be honest, I, the undertaker, 
Uh, no, and The Undertaker is not as well, but I really uh, see John Cena probably coming in and interrupting Elias and then, like, giving him uh, a They've go. Done, they did that last year. Come yeah, on. but, you know. Uh, so, anyway, how do you feel about Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin? Um, they wouldn't let Kurt go out on a loss. There's no way he's going to lose. Okay. All right, so next up, again, a non-title match. Uh, this is a feud, a Falls Count Anywhere match. It is between Shane McMahon, I'm sorry, the best in the world, Shane McMahon, I got to say that with meaning, uh, versus The Miz. You care? Don't care. <laughs> okay. Um, neither, uh, neither of them have really been relevant for quite some time. Yeah, I'm. I've always been critical of Shane taking a spot on the guy on the on the on the roster. Uh, I don't think. I mean, he granted he's a stunt guy and he does his uh, spots, but the Miz is a really good worker. Um, and now they uh, now he's a face instead of a heel. Uh, Shane is a heel and uh, he's a good one. But yes, uh, I think this is going to be okay. Uh, I don't think this is going to suck. It's probably going to have a spot in it where you're going to be like, oh, my God. Um, and I foresee The Miz winning this. But I it, I'm t- I tend to lean towards the faces at WrestleMania, which over the years has has bit me. So uh, has I don't know. Been, has, has Shane ever really been a bad guy before, though? Yeah, he has. Yeah. Okay, because th- he's always usually like he goes up against his dad. I think he was a, like all those matches he had with Kurt back in the day. I think he was the, fa- the heel. Okay. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I get confused. So, um, all right. So then we have another non-title match. This is a no-holds-barred match. Uh, and this is Triple H versus Batista, the returning Batista. If Triple H loses, he must retire from in-ring competition. Hmm. How do you think he's going to win this match, Mike? That's a no-brainer. <laughs> no-brainer. The game wins. But the bigger question is, do you think this is one and done? Batista is out after this completely? This is the last time uh, we see Batista? I don't think we'll see Batista after this. He's too busy making movies. Yes, he's too busy. Uh, you know, he should try that uh, trick that his character does on Gal- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy where he's not seen. Yes. But doesn't John Cena do that also? Oh, yeah. They should have a feud. Yeah, exactly. You no can't one see, could see him. It would just be an empty ring. Exactly. Both of them wouldn't do it. So hey, Absolutely. There you go. All right, yeah. so now we get in the title matches. Um, all right, so I'm going to start with the one probably that nobody cares about, which is Buddy Murphy versus Tony Nice. Um, do you even know who those two guys are? I have no clue who they are. <laughs> they are match. They are. It's a singles match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, oh, that tells you right there. Yeah, so they'll probably be on the pre-show, so we'll probably both miss them anyway. Sorry, no offense to those guys. I'm sure they're great workers. But I, I just, I don't have time. I just, I can't, I don't watch it. Anyway. All right. So then we get into the United States. Um, let's, let's go with the, the United States Championship. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Oh, it's going to be Joe all the way. Yeah, I think Joe retains here. Uh, you yep. don't put him, you won't put the strap on him about a month ago and then just take it off. Um, no. Rey Mysterio is a great worker. But uh, I got a feeling some shenanigans are going to happen here. I don't know if it's going to be Andrade. Uh, but I just feel like Andrade and Rey Mysterio are the ones that have been having a feud for the last few months. Uh, this is a weird kind of thing, so I, I don't understand it, but they're both good workers. It'll probably be an entertaining match, but I just feel like it's missing something. 
Oh, I think so also. And, you know, I also think Ray's son is going to get involved too. Oh, yes, that's for sure. Yeah, he's probably going to get beat up actually, uh, if not tomorrow night on SmackDown. Uh, yeah, his his. you're right. The son's going to be a factor. Exactly. Uh, I think Joe's going to put him to sleep. Oh, you think? Uh, and so then we have the Intercontinental Championship, which is Bobby Lashley, my favorite wrestler in the world. Um, and uh, for listeners out there, if they cannot tell uh, when I'm being sarcastic, that is the epitome of me being sarcastic. Yeah, I can feel uh, it dripping in here, folks. <laughs> um, versus uh, Finn Balor, who the only way that this match will be even halfway interesting to for me is if the Finn demon. Balor is the demon. The demon's going to show up at WrestleMania. Yes. The demon shows up at WrestleMania and, and whips Bobby Lashley into shape. Uh, I will be happy. Otherwise, this is a bathroom break for me. Sorry, Finn. No offense to you. I just hate Bobby Lashley. I know, but I love Finn Balor, and I think he's going to show up as the demon, and he's going to take the belt. Absolutely. All right, so then we got the uh, women's tag team championship match. It's a four-way uh, with the current champions, uh, the Boston Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha Banks. Uh, the mm. Divas of Doom, what they're calling themselves, which is Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Uh, the Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. And Nia Jax and Tamina, who for some reason haven't figured out a, a name to call themselves. Uh, so um, how do you see this going? Are you happy with this matchup? I like this matchup. And truthfully, I think it's going to be the Iconics winning. Ugh. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. That's why I said I, it. I know at some point the Iconics are going to get the belt. I know that they're going to get the belts just because that's the only reason that they exist. Because they certainly can't wrestle. Um, I mean, really, there's it's, it's kind of embarrassing. There's so many good women wrestlers out there right now. And they are, they've got a stick. And they, they, they use that stick. And it's, it's over in some ways. But... Um, I, I just I don't care for either one of them. I think they're dangerous in the ring. I think they make too many mistakes, and I think I'm hoping someone doesn't get hurt here. Um, and you're right; yeah. I can see them. I can see them putting the strap on them eventually. I hope it's not now, but eventually they are going to get the strap. I don't know. I yeah. think if it's not there, them, there will be new tag team champions. I will say that. if if it's not them, then it's Bailey and Sasha retaining. I don't see Beth and Natalia getting it. Um, uh, it's going to be nice to see Beth return, but I don't see them giving her a, a belt. And Nia and Tamina don't need it. They're just obnoxious big women. So, um, And I don't mean that personally. I just mean that that's where the characters are. And so that's they don't need a belt. They're just going to go in and wreck things. They're, they're better when they're, like, mad. So, um, Okay, so then we have uh, the um, uh, WWE Championship, which is, <laughs> man, if I had told you a year ago, that the the WWE Championship match at WrestleMania this year was going to be Daniel Bryan, who at that time we didn't think could ever wrestle again, versus Kofi Kingston, you would have like you would have just said no way, dude, no way. And yet no. here we are. And I can't even go yes, yes, no, yes, no, yes. no, no. Exactly, yep. exactly. Uh, what do really you think sad. Should, where do you see it going? I would love to see Kobe win. I would love to see Kobe win because with, especially with interference from the new day, because you know, there's going to be interference from new day, Sure, but also Eric Rowan will be interfering on behalf of Daniel. 
but I'll probably have to say I'd like to. I'm going to say I'm going to say Kobe's going to win. I'm going to go out there. I, I like. I would put money on Kofi as well. Um, I think the story that they're telling, uh, especially the flip on Daniel Bryan, the fact that you know when Daniel Bryan became the champion, it was he was the, the you know he was being called a B plus player that couldn't get over that and et cetera, et cetera. I think they're really having a lot of fun with that. I think the crowd just goes nuts for Kofi. I think if Kofi doesn't win, the New York crowd will riot. Um, well, I think also that, you know, Kofi is where Daniel Bryant was when he went to WrestleMania the first time. That time. Exactly. Exactly. Now, and Kofi can have a lot of fun. Like they can have a lot of fun with it. Marketing wise, they can, they can make a uh, pancake belt for him afterwards, a new day belt. Like they could have a lot of fun with this if they really wanted to just go crazy with it. So, uh, and it makes the new day relevant again. Uh, This is the, this is the freshest and the most important thing that the new day's done in like three years, I think. Um, so I love it actually. And Daniel Bryan's such a good heel. Uh, he, I love that what he did with the belt, but he doesn't need it. Um, uh, the people's uh, champion is it'll be just fine. I I think Kofi wins this, and Daniel Bryan gets it back at some point. Maybe I don't know. So we'll see how that goes. But yes, I, my money is on Kofi as well. And then we have the WWE Universal Championship, which is Brock Lesnar. Sorry, that was a really bad Paul Heyman. Yeah, um, don't don't try imitations, please. Versus, don't try it. I know. Uh, versus Seth freaking Rollins. How do you? Say I, that? mm, that's a good one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Brock walks out of there. Brock wins. Yeah, Brock wins. I think Seth might have won until <laughs> I hate to say this, but until Roman came back. Yeah, probably. It's kind of like, um, well, thanks, Seth, but uh, we don't really need you now as uh, as being the main face of the company. Um, yeah, I, I think Seth loses. I think Brock retains. I think he signs again, and he's with the belt for, I don't know. I think, you know, and then they write that story where eventually Roman gets it from him again. I think uh, Roman, yeah. right now they've, they've made it so that Roman's the only guy that can beat him. Is there, you know, any rumor about, you know, he him still going back to UFC? Yeah, but I I think they like the idea of him maybe being a double champion at UFC. Yeah, but the thing is, truthfully, I don't like them not having a defending champion me on too. TV. No, no, and if I, it was up to me, I'd fire Brock. I don't need him, but I'm not Fox Entertainment that's going to have SmackDown. I'm not the powers that be, so... Well, the rumor going around, though, is that Brock is going to SmackDown. Yeah, so, but he'll, I mean, he'll, he'll need to belt. Well, maybe he'll get it from Kofi. I don't know. Yeah, I, that that would be a squash and a half. <laughs> Brock's going to kill you. Remember that, Joe's chance? Oh, um, yeah. Um, I don't think that uh, they, nobody's chanting that anymore. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, yeah, I think his day is done. But I don't... Like if Seth was to win, then this was this would be potentially Brock Lesnar's last time, last appearance in the WWE. And There's a possibility. I don't, think, I don't think that's happening. There's no buzz for it. I, I don't. I don't see that happening. Okay. But who knows? Uh, I'm a big Seth Rollins guy, so I'd love to see him win. I really would. I really would. And then we got the big one, the three way. It's 
Becky Lynch, the man, versus the SmackDown Women's Champion, Charlotte Flair, versus the Raw Women's Champion, Ronda Rousey. And this Rowdy is Rowdy Ronda Rousey. Rowdy. Thank you, Ronda Rousey. Thank you. Yes. Um, then the, now it's been announced that, like you said, winner takes it all. So it's going to be for both belts. Um, I think that the last image that we see at WrestleMania 35, when we when it goes to credits, is going to be Becky Lynch, the man, holding both straps on each shoulder and and being the man. I think that's how it's going to end. That's how it's going to play out. Um, uh, I think that's going to be a hell of a match. Look, all three of these women are amazing competitors. And even though they've kind of dropped the ball here and there telling this story, I think the match itself should be one for the ages. Yeah, I could see that. I think it'll be interesting to see them, you know, who gets involved like you had mentioned earlier about Asuka. Uh, I think there's a big possibility that Asuka could be involved. And there's also a big possibility that we could see the four horsewomen versus the other four horsewomen involved with this too. Yeah, there's definitely some interesting lineups they can go for it. Yes. And, you know, who knows who, but it's, you know, Stephanie McMahon tonight on WWE Raw announced that it is a winner take all. Yep. So it's, it's going to be both belts. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I want to see Becky win. That's just, you know, both Mike and I do. Becky has been the performer of 2018 and 2019. We we kind of love her. Yeah, kind of, sort of. And it's not not just the accent. So no, no, just the accent. That's okay. That's part of it. But yes, no. yeah. But you know, but you know, and send all those letters to Mike Gordon, care of the ESO Network. You know, are you talking about letters? Are you talking about restraining orders? That too. So it's okay. <laughs> Becky Lynch doesn't need a restraining order. She could, she could, she could beat the crap out of me. So, oh, uh, and, and she would if she could. No, but, but yeah, um, no, I think, uh, no, I think, like, I think, I, there's a lot of expectation on this match. I'm trying not to get my hopes up too high as this being like one of the matches, the best matches ever. Now, you know, certainly my fantasy, and I don't mean like weird fantasy. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about my my like wrestling fantasy would be to see it just be. Becky versus Ronda. That's the match I wanted to see. I don't really think Charlotte has any business being in this match. I get why she's in it, but I don't, I would rather not see that. I think Becky and Ronda would have been perfectly capable of performing one hell of a match. It's been a long time since we've seen an amazing women's match. And, uh, and, and, and I say that not big, not to, not to single out the women, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen an amazing men's match too, but over the course of the last um, you know, few years through this whole women's evolution, we've had some spectacular performances from Sasha, from Charlotte, from Bailey, um, and from Becky, um, and from Ronda. Like last year's Ra- WrestleMania, uh, when the match that she was in with Kurt and Stephanie and Triple H was really good and really impressive. Uh, when she picked up when Ronda picked up Triple H, that like that's a moment, that's a WrestleMania moment that I'll remember. Just like you know Hulk picking up Andre, that was like a big moment uh, as far as I'm concerned. So um, it's got they've got a lot of pressure to try to meet that, and they are 
But all these women appreciate that. And I think they're going to work hard for it. They understand their position. They understand that this, this uh, main event is something that they've earned. And I think they will rise up to the challenge. And I, I can't wait to see it. Nope, I definitely think so. And they deserve the headline. They deserve Absolutely. being the last match. Yeah, because and, look, at, look, all the guys' matches that we talked about and all the other matches, they're pale in comparison to this. Well, in all truth, and, you know, we've talked about this offline, that they haven't really built up to anything. You know, it used to be right after the Royal Rumble, there was huge buildup to all the WrestleMania matches. And there's still a couple matches that aren't even set in stone and that they might actually even change or add to the card that, you know, we don't know yet. There's some pretty major players that are sitting out, including both brands' tag team divisions, you know? And the champions aren't in there. So there's some things that are just not right yet. And I know some people have complained and said, hey, Vince changes the card up to 20 minutes before everyone goes on stage. Sure. So it it could happen. It could happen. But, you know, I just, it just, this year's not, the other than the women's match at the end, I don't feel any wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, some of this is going to be solid, and they always put on a good show. So it's going to be worth watching, but uh, it remains to be seen exactly whether or not this is going to be one for the ages. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. uh, and whether or not the takeover two nights before it will be way better as it usually is. It usually is, my friend. It <laughs> usually is. So, well, very cool. Well, that's our... That's uh, those are our picks uh, for uh, the WrestleMania 35. Um, so yes, you can uh, listen to uh, the results of uh, WrestleMania 35. For we are going to get together with the PWR Spot Show guys, John, Richard, uh, Jerry, and the crew down there, uh, and then that part of station. We're going to walk over there and, uh, and 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 talk about the the results and how we uh, post WrestleMania. Uh, thoughts uh, we're going to do that uh, next week so uh, tune in for that it should be a lot of fun and it's neat sharing the stuff with our some of our sister podcasts on the network and it just gives you you know our it's our opinion and see how much egg we have on our face so it'll be great and i'll write this down so we can go in to the you know pwr show and say you know this is what we predicted and this is what our results are and if we get it right, you know, we need to go to Vegas, baby. So with that being said, let's take a quick break. And we'll be back in a moment. And we are going to be talking to a good old friend of the show. It was 100 degrees as we sat beneath a willow tree. Whose tears didn't care. They just hung in the air and refused to fall. It's a fall. You ever been curious about the real or fictional worlds? In the beginning, there were laser kings and giant robots. Those who created. I'm going to feed you to this tentacle monster now. <laughs> no. Or what inspires. And uh, I remember being in my room with my brother, and we immediately, like within five seconds, he decided he was a DC fan, and I decided I was a Marvel fan. And we were <laughs> going through and sorting out all of the comics. 
and you might enjoy Yubi Tigers, the only podcast show where we take life by the tail. Now available on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes, and of course your favorite podcasting hour. This is Yubi Tigers. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are now here with friend of the show, Mark Wheatley. How are you doing, Mark? I'm doing good, Mike. How are you doing? Good. Long time no here. It's uh, actually really good to talk to you. You have a new Kickstarter going and you wanted to come on the station to talk all about it. I do. I do. I've uh, been running this Kickstarter for a little while now and it's uh, had its ups and downs. We uh, launched incredibly well and hit our goal within, I think it was two days. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and we were well on our way to doubling it when uh, Facebook was hacked and Facebook identified me as being a fake account. Oh, my God. Really? And I could not convince them otherwise. <laughs> so for the last two weeks, I've been unable to really promote the uh, project very much. But fortunately, it's still been ticking along, but nowhere near what it was when I was able to promote it. <laughs> of course. Yes. No. It's always something. <laughs> oh, isn't it always? That's usually yeah. the way it works. Yeah. So anyway, they have finally uh, admitted that I am me and I can now message people like you on Facebook and uh, with very, very, very few limits, I can actually share a notice like once or twice a day. So now that you're, you know, out of Facebook purgatory, you know, what's going on? Tell us about the Kickstarter and how yeah, our really listeners should. can help. I really should. Okay, so, you know, I'm a longtime fan of the pulps. You know, those lurid old magazines that crumble every time you pick them up now because they were printed on such poor paper. But they were the birthplace for such wonderful authors such as uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs and Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft. And I mentioned those three guys because they are the stars of this book I'm uh, offering right now, which is called Songs of Giants. And uh, I started... I guess reading both Burroughs and Howard when I was a young, young fella, I'm probably about 13 or 14 years old and just really got hooked on them. And it was a long time before I realized that they actually both wrote poetry. And I discovered H.P. Lovecraft, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago or so. And actually, when I discovered him, I discovered his poetry. And uh, so I, oh man, about 20 years ago, I had this fantasy that I might uh, put together a record album using lyrics from Robert E. Howard's poems to make songs. And uh, Tim Truman and I were banging the idea back and forth. Tim is, if you don't know, is one of the most incredible guitarists around. And I've worked with him, fortunately, a couple of times and just loved, you know, collaborating with him. And uh, so we considered this and I got one song complete. And uh, then I realized that, you know, there's really no way for me to market it. You know, I, I know books, but uh, the music market is uh, a bit impenetrable for me. So I kind of put it on the side burner. But when I discovered that uh, all three of these guys wrote poems and uh, some pretty cool ones, too, 
I got the idea of doing a book that I would illustrate. And, and that came from the idea that when I was going to do that CD, I was going to have an illustrated booklet to go along with it. But the frustration of that was it would be this little tiny booklet in the CD holder, right? So now I'm doing a book where pretty much I'd say half the illustrations are like double page spreads. So they're both you know, like 11 by 17 image area where you can really cut loose. And I'm using the, uh, the classic old illustrator style of like uh, Franklin Booth or Joseph Clement Call or Charles Dana Gibson or Flagg or Godwin or, you know, a lot of those guys who were just really amazing with pen and ink. And, oh, sure. No, it sounds like it's some great, great stuff you're coming up with. Yeah, well, it's been a ball doing it, and I've been working on it for like the last 18 months. So uh, it's been very gratifying to have people supporting it on Kickstarter. Well, it must be gratifying knowing that it's already hit your goal, and now you're just going for icing. Yes, yes, and we've had some good icing, too. Uh, the book comes with an audio book. And as a good friend of mine pointed out that uh, I always are coming up with ideas for publishing that uh, go against the norm. He said, I'm probably the first guy that came up with an audio book for an illustration book. Oh, that's awesome. That is yeah. cool. <laughs> no, that, geez, you know, it's awesome when you get the extra funds, you can give the people who are helping support you extra because, you know, you've already passed your goals. You've already, now you're planning extras and extras. And so when is the release of this pro wonderful project going to happen? And how long is the Kickstarter going for? Well, the Kickstarter goes until April 20th. And uh, that's so that I'd have a chance to uh, get out to the Windy City Pulp and Paper Show where I'm having a show of my original artwork that I did illustrating the Edgar Rice Burroughs pastiche uh, Swords Against the Moon Men last year. And uh, so I'll be with my clan there, all the pulp fans. And then uh, the book is 99.9% .9 done at this point. Uh, I'll be delivering it to the printer maybe even before the end of the campaign. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and we will have it ready to ship uh, at the beginning of June. Oh, wow. So fairly soon. So it's not yeah. like, all right, get, get me this Kickstarter. It'll be available next year sometime. So this no, is all like recently. I intentionally got most of the work done on the book before I offered it. That's fantastic, man. That is really fantastic. I don't like waiting around for anything. I'm impatient. So that's, that's what I was working with. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. So, you know, for the people at home, how can they help support you? Well, they can go to the uh, Kickstarter for uh, Songs of Giants. Uh, I have a bit.ly link, uh, which is, you know, bit.ly slash giants one, numeral one. And uh, you can also search for it on Kickstarter, Songs of Giants. Awesome. And we'll have it, of course, in our show notes. So you yeah. can find it there also. And feel awesome. free, if you want, Mark, to actually put it up on the ESO Network uh, Facebook group. Okay. I'll, I'll see if uh, Facebook's let me do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I guess I should be careful with that. You know, you make it too good of a good thing and you might get banned again or something like that. It's, I, you know, there's no telling. Uh, but but I will definitely give it a try. And uh, I should point out that I want to I don't want to get off here without mentioning that the audiobook is being done by uh, Mark Redfield, who is just an amazing actor. And uh, one of the actors he works with is also an incredible composer. 
and uh, Jennifer Rouse is doing the music soundtrack for it, as well as all the sound effects. And it is an immersive experience. You you put the headphones on and listen, and you will think you're there. It's amazing. Uh, uh, I, I, frankly, I feel upstaged. I think the audio book is blowing my book out of the water. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. Because, yeah, if you get a really good actor, voice narrator, it's just it just complements the book even more. Yeah, and he's he's a huge fan of Edgar Allan Poe, and I've worked with him on a couple albums he's done of uh, Poe's work. And uh, he's just perfect for this. I mean, just listening to him read, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, the neat thing about Robert E. Howard is is uh, he comp- he wrote even his stories. He wrote and re- recite them out loud, and so his his words tend to have a beat and a rhythm to them that you know an author not necessarily would not necessarily have uh it it has that kind of you know quality of i don't know just pleasing to hear and when uh, mark gets his vocal cords wrapped around howard's work it's just incredible (laughs) fantastic man that is awesome well we appreciate it and congratulations on meeting your goals already well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your uh, having me on. It's good hearing from you again. Oh, it's Mark. It is always great to have you on the show. We need you on here more often. We should. We should. Yeah, whenever definitely. you need help, let me know. <laughs> oh, most definitely. And folks, ESO people, Earth Station One people, everyone at home, let's help support another friend of the show. You guys have done it in the past. Let's do it again. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment, and we are going to be reviewing ready for this the 30th anniversary of uhf that's right weird owl folks you finally get your chance Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right, we're asking for your help and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. Let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. A man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George. How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! 
He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat out the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Ah! Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the movie review segment where we go back to movies that Ashley has not ever seen before. So. <laughs> so, or I haven't seen this either. You haven't seen this one before. This is my first time. Oh, folks, we are in for a true treat. We are here to talk all about UHF, the Weird Al movie, the, his one movie that he actually made. And it is... 30 years old and we are celebrating an anniversary of it so i thought it was about time we actually talk all about it we've done a segment on weird owl in the past on the station here and it's been a lot of fun but you know we thought why not dig in to do a little bit more of what ashley had started on her own and we're going to be doing this every couple months so uhf is the first one that we're jumping into with both feet so Weird Al and crew, and this movie came out 1989, and it was written by Weird Al, and it was also done by his manager, actually. So um, it was very interesting to see, you know, how this came to be. So we'll talk all about it, and ready to jump in with both feet. So I'm going to go for Ashley. You know, first off. I know you like Weird Al. We've talked about him, you know, offline before in the past. Oh, yes. And so I knew, why have you never seen this before? Well, I am super disappointed in myself because I don't know that I was even aware of this movie before you mentioned it. And as a really big Weird Al fan, I was kind of disappointed in myself that this had never popped up on my radar. So when you suggested this, I was like, Weird Al is in a movie. I have to check this out because I wanted to see if it was as fun as his music videos and just his songs in general. No, totally understand that. And it's interesting because it was almost in some ways like seeing him in concert because when you see Weird Al in concert, he does his songs and everything, but he does a lot of multimedia also. And this ties right into that. And, you know, even some of the things you see in his concerts came from this film. That's which awesome. Better, which is even better. Mikey, what about you? You, this, you, this is your first time also. This is my first time seeing it. Yep. And, um, first of all, have we, have we mentioned to everybody that Alex is with us too? Hi, Alex. <laughs> he's just he's just lurking in the station there and i didn't know if he was supposed to be here or like he's just lurking in the back room there and i was like, like Hi. <laughs> <laughs> he was stalking you're talking about a movie weird now i'm there <laughs> um microphone's on i'm wow. here now um okay um, so my i i in i cannot <laughs> i cannot say that i've been a diehard uh weird Al fan uh, from day one. Um, I can say that I've enjoyed his music parodies and I've enjoyed his videos. However, there's, um, there's a, a lot of other stuff that I saw prior to this back in the MTV era that led me to kind of be lukewarm on him. Um, he used to do, um, Al TV segments. Oh, sure. Which were these like half, 
really just half-cocked interviews that he would sort of edit together out of clips of other real interviews with stars and stuff. And I absolutely hated Really? Those. Um, yes, oh, wow. I did. Those are awesome. Those are terrible. terrible. <laughs> I, I hated those. Um, and, and I felt Weird Al was one of those guys, and, and he, there's, there was a plethora of them around this time. I mean, his, his group, really, which was Emo Phillips, and Judy Tenuta. I can't believe she's not in this movie, by the way. I don't know. She must have been sick or something, <laughs> but I can't believe that Judy Tenuta is in this movie. But I was shocked um, Dr. Demento wasn't in this in movie. It. He is in this movie. Where is it? Where, he, where he, was he? Cameo. cameo he's, in the, uh, uh, he's in Stanley Smidowski's Funhouse uh, audience. He, the chief. Yeah, he's the one that uh, eats, eats whipped cream. Uh, whipped yeah, cream. Spray cam. Yeah. Um, come on, Mike. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I that. Uh, um, but. Uh, I got to give him credit because he manages to gather just about everybody else who is all these, 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 these comedians that are not just, they're not just comedians. They're like, like they're characters that are pretty obnoxious. Um, But I kind of think, I kind of think she wasn't in it because she plays the accordion also. And you know, you can't really have two accordion players at the same time. He didn't even have an accordion in this movie. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, but like, I give him credit cause he's got like, you know, he's got, uh, um, uh, Michael Richards, Victoria Jackson, Fran Drescher, uh, emo, like I said, is in this. And I'm just like, wow, he's got like all these, this crew of character actors who are really good at playing these comedic characters rather than. They're, they're they're more characters than they are comedians. If you'll if you'll allow me that, um, and those kind of characters just kind of after like I can take in doses, but not for an extended amount of time. I, I just don't care for them over an extended amount of time. Like like Emo Phillips was on screen in this just about the right amount of time, um, and but Michael Richards was in this like way too much. And this is pre Seinfeld, yeah. Michael Richards. Oh yeah, I know. Um, yeah, that's not even talking about like post Seinfeld Michael Richards, who we not sure we should talk about. We don't, don't talk um, about him. Nope, nope, nope. Exactly. So, but I, yeah. But I, so I you don't talk about Victoria Jackson either anymore either. And I'm not. I'm not a big Victoria Jackson fan. I'm not a big Fran Dresser fan. I'm not like so. This movie, even though it said like there was a lot of stuff that appealed to me, like because I think. Um, you know, the, the parodies and his original songs and his videos are amazing. And so I had hopes that this would be like that. And there are parts of this that are like that, that I love, but the other parts of this kind of as when I watched it last night, I was thinking to myself, yep, this is what I kind of expected this would be. Um, and and I'm and yeah, and so it didn't it didn't work for me, and that's one of one of the reasons why I didn't see it for so long because I just knew that it, it like like half of it would probably be cool and the other half I wouldn't like. What about you, Alex? Uh, I've never seen the film. No. Um, <laughs> 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 Goodbye. He's Goodbye. just lurking. <laughs> I uh, no, I'll be honest with you. I actually saw this movie the week before it came out in theaters. Uh, I went to a sneak preview of this with my best bud Quinn. Uh, because Quinn would just put up with me and would go do these things. And um, I found out about a special sneak preview playing here in Atlanta uh, the week before it came out. I was like, dude, we got to go see this. We got to see it before anybody else. 
and we get in there and we get our tickets and we rush in to hopefully find good seats and we were the only ones there. <laughs> oh, sorry. We, this is an absolute true story. It's the, uh, um, it used to be, I want to say the Tower Place Theaters uh, in Buckhead. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think it's now an AMC dining place. But uh, they yes. did a special sneak screening the weekend, the weekend before it came out. We went to see it. And at one point, I looked behind us. And the only people who were there were two ushers. And one of them had his wow. arms crossed, looked at the other one. Yep, that's kind of what I figured. And it was, but we were the only ones there. Um, I went in because uh, I'm a huge fan of Weird Al. Um, loved his work with MTV and Al TV, um, including he was one of the first ones to riff on music videos. Because oh, yeah. on Al TV, so. he would play the music videos, but you could actually hear him making noises in the background. And um, when I heard that he was doing a movie, I went in plot unknown. Like I didn't, I knew nothing about the film. I didn't care. It was Weird Al. I was going to be in there. Yeah, we might as well also tell the younger audience out there, including Ashley, what UHF is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you know, UHF actually was when we grew up. It was you know most cities had the major networks. You know, ABC. NBC and CBS, yep. and maybe you had, you know, an alternative station and PBS. You know, the alternative station, I don't mean like alternative lifestyle, but like a channel that showed all the cartoons and all the syndicated shows and stuff. And a lot of the times those were in the upper channels. It was anything from channel 14 up to, I think, 88. 62. 88. Yes, 88. because Atlanta has a 69. That's right. It did have a 69. So it was, and TBS, which is very well known, was Channel 17 here in Atlanta. So, you know, those were, you know, they had a lot of times they had Hispanic speaking channels or they had religious based channels or they even had what they called in Washington, D.C. They had something called Super TV, which showed movies and stuff, but it was scrambled. And you had to get a decoder. It's the dark ages, folks. Trust me. It was the dark ages. So that's what UHF was, was the extra channels. And hence, you know, Weird Al in this movie running a UHF station, Channel 62. And so it was actually pretty fun because that's where you used to watch, you know, shows like Andy Griffith or The Munsters, The Addams Family, or you had all the cartoons when you came home from school because those were on the UHF. And it was a UHF station uh, that actually changed Christmas for a lot of us um, because a programmer for a UHF station was trying to find programming for um, their Christmas lineup and discovered that a very small movie uh, that nobody had ever heard of, but starred Jimmy Stewart was available in the public domain. So they didn't have to pay for the usage for it. And they did a 24 hour run of it's a wonderful life. Yep. Mm, Interesting. And then, you know, for me, you know, UHF was how I discovered Dr. Who because the PBS station in DC showed, uh, you know, showed Dr. Who. In the evening. Wow, your PBS station was UHF. Well, and Atlanta had two PBS stations, and one of them was a UHF station because we had Channel 8, which was Georgia Public Television, uh, and then Channel 30, 
was a was a PBS station as well. But I think oh, right. that one's supposed to was supposed to cover I think South Georgia, mm-hmm. um, but at a higher yeah, uh, frequency. Right, where we had two PBS stations in Was- where I lived outside of Washington D.C. because Washington and Baltimore each had their own channels, and they. Both PBS stations, one was channel 32 out of Baltimore, but DC's was WETA was channel 26. And that was, you know, the one that had, you know, watched all the masterpiece theaters and Sesame street and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you, and you had to, you know, where you turned the channels on the TV, you know, with the knob, you had to adjust the dial for, for UHF. And hence, in the song, you know, adjust the you know, adjust the dial. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about this movie is that, um, as far as the UHF connection, is this is right on the dawn of UHF really yeah. not meaning anything at all. Like it's like like this is right on the like the verge of cable television. Like he could like if it if this movie had been made like just two or three years later. He would have been at a at a community yeah. at a cable access station. Oh, exactly, it would have been like that. That's how that's how like the the medium the television medium was changing. Well, exactly, and also by this point, you didn't have to really change channels. You had you know the, your remote controls, and you just put the numbers in. By this yeah. point, yeah, we were definitely out of the age of rabbit ears, and and having to you know adjust the knob. Yeah, I mean, yeah. cable was running rampant. I mean, cable was one of the reasons why I mean, Weird Al became as huge as he did. Obviously, the radio was a big deal, but but was cable? Yeah, but about fair at that same time, NBC was having Friday night videos. Um, USA Network or Night Flight or US uh, or Night Flight um, and things yeah. like. That. But there was there was still this this little bit of cheese uh, that was kind of floating around. And UHF the movie went right after that. And went oh, right after that, and this idea of like the more ridiculous something could be, the more entertaining that it was. Oh, exactly. And by the time you know this came out, like Mike was saying, you know, public access was starting to pop up on cable, and shows like Stanley Show or you know, like the Science Show, all was popping up on public access. And it was you know you saw cooking shows or you saw you know shows that you don't even want to show your kids, you know, stuff like that all on public access. And it probably would have, you know, like you said, probably within two, three years, it would have been public access instead of UHF. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't kind of want to see a public access movie. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. A sequel. A gritty um, reboot. Um, the, uh, um, and look, I, I, you know, as much as I was um, um, condemning everything a little while ago, I have to say, first and foremost, I have the utmost respect for Weird Al, and I I, I appreciate him big time. As a matter of fact, I'm a big proponent of him getting into the Absolutely. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame at some point. Um, uh, I, I think that has to be done, uh, and I, I think he's underrated as, oh, just about everything <laughs> uh as certainly as a musician and as a songwriter and uh as a professional and as an entertainer i think a lot of, because he does comedy and because he does parody a lot of people you know take him for granted and he is i mean just and also his staying power i mean you know it's been 30 years since this movie but he started but another 10 years before that so i mean he's been entertaining people for 40 years and 
I mean, he's just as popular now, if not more so than he's ever been. So um, that, that says a lot about his talent and, uh, and, and I, and how, you know, I've seen him live and he's amazing uh, live and I'm going to see him again uh, in a couple months. And I'm very excited about that. So, but um, uh, as far as the movie itself, um, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear um, Ashley, like, what did you think of this movie? Did you, did you enjoy it? Yeah. So kind of like I mentioned earlier, I wasn't really sure what to expect beyond just kind of knowing the regular tone that Weird Al goes for. And I ended up enjoying it. Um, It wasn't necessarily my favorite movie that I'd ever seen, but um, I enjoyed watching it. I had a smile on my face while I was watching it. Um, My favorite parts were definitely those movie parodies. Those were just hilarious. Like I would have watched like an hour and a half long of just those parodies where he's joking about Indiana Jones, Rambo, uh, Conan, the librarian was my personal favorite. Like those were so funny. I would have loved to watch like a whole series of those parodies. And I think again, that just really highlights what weird Al does best. I think he's really able, he has the real talent for distilling these great pop culture things that we all love and finding a way to parody them and make them funny and fresh. So it's a shame that weird Al really hasn't been in more movies like this because I think, um, like you had said, he's kind of an untapped talent in some ways. Uh, I think I can tell you why we haven't seen more weird Al films and we'll get to that. I'm sure in a little bit. Um, but uh, uh, if I might take the moment, Mike, I am curious about uh, Mr. Mike Gordon as your first film showing. Um, what, what, you know, again, going in knowing that you were not looking forward to some of the character actors and performances, um, were there any that were standouts for you? Well, I, um, I appreciated, like, okay, so my watching in the movie. Uh, last night, I, I you know it starts and the the Raiders of the Lost Ark um, parody mm-hmm. was amazing. Um, I I don't know if they use the same sets as uh, if Paramount let them on the sets or whatever because I know it's not a Paramount movie, but I mean some of those are shot for shot like very good um, uh, recreations of the actual Raiders of the Lost Ark movie, and I appreciate that. I'm a big fan of Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'm not. I'm not a big enough fan where, or I'm not a sensitive enough fan where I don't mind people poking fun at it. But, uh, but when they do so, and look, Weird Al has that talent too, where he pokes fun and parodies things, but he still has respect for them. And you can tell. Um, and so I give, I give him credit for that. I also want to say right out of the outset too, I also give him credit for um, not uh, for making things family friendly. Like he never died. Like even though he's not afraid to like dive to the to, to the lowest common denominator joke, he doesn't like get he doesn't get filthy. Like this is this this plot. I've seen I've actually seen this plot on a couple of different like like teen sex comedy movies from the eighties as well. I mean the same exact plot about let's get a radio sta- let's get a TV station and like you know and 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 but it, instead it turned it took a, like a sexy turn. None of that uh, for Weird Al. And that's cool. I like that. I like the fact that he still keeps it like clean. Um, so I give a lot of credit there. Uh, I was kind of surprised that he, I guess I was surprised that he's not in it as, like, I, th- I thought he was going to be like the big protagonist in this, but he really doesn't do anything. No, he's more of the straight for, man in this one. I know. No, and that's weird. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. that's, 
that's that's what I didn't expect. I was like, wow, he's like, yeah, he's the straight man in this. And I'm like, that's I, I, that didn't that took me by surprise. And uh, and the fact that Michael Richards really is like the like a big like almost overshadows him in this movie is really like just that took me out of it. Um, I didn't care for that at all. Um, interestingly enough, I was reading in the Wikipedia thing. I don't know if this is true. I was reading that the I guess the original choice for that character was Christopher Lloyd. Okay. Really? Interesting. Interesting. Would have been amazing, um, I think. And that would have been like a whole different thing, which I probably would have got behind this movie a little bit more. Uh, just because I... Yeah, after about after the the first scene where um, Michael Richards' character gets fired, I was kind of like done with him, and then then of course I knew that wouldn't be the end of him, of course. But um, uh, so um, I because I grew up uh, when I grew up, um, I I I love seeing Billy Barty, and this is probably one of his last performances, maybe. Mm -hmm. And and I and I think he was great. This is going to sound really weird, but I'm a big General Hospital fan, and I enjoyed seeing Tony Geary oh, in a weird, very, weird uh, role. Off the, very strange role. But yet, I enjoyed that, like because um, usually, you know, I'm used to seeing him as like the action heartthrob soap opera well, guy. He's always played a bad and, guy uh, in a lot of films too, and he has played a bad guy a lot too. So this was just he was just he was just the weird scientist guy who turns out to be an alien, um, as you do. Um, and I think that's about it. Like I didn't like, um, you know, uh, the other casting was just odd and didn't result in much like Al's friend, George's friend, his best friend doesn't really do anything either. He just is kind of there. Um, the love interest doesn't really work. Because uh, she just comes back to him for no real apparent reason, nothing on his part anyway. Um, and uh, you have to send just, balloons and lots of balloons, lots of balloons, balloons. lots of balloons, <laughs> lots of flowers, and a lot of begging on the phone. I'm like, she, she, she didn't actually like think about it. Like he's been in my apartment. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> After I told him I never wanted to see him again, he actually came into my apartment. Like that's creepy. Um, Red flag. <laughs> and then she shows up at uh, she shows up at the um, uh, the bad guy's office or whatever. Generally. And I'm like, what's she gonna do? Is she gonna go work for him? And uh, and Kevin McCarthy is great too. I mean, he's he's actually really oh, good. He in this. Up uh, chewing yeah. up scenery. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, you know, uh, I did appreciate him. No, that was, he was fun. Yeah, Victoria Jackson as the girlfriend, just, there was no chemistry at all with Al. None. No. <laughs> well, I don't think there, I don't think there's supposed to be, though. Because I don't think Weird Al is that kind of guy. Like, it's not that kind of character, you know? Setting him up with a love interest anyway was just a, kind of a silly move because I just don't think that anybody would, would it would work that way because he his character is just kind of like asexual you know i mean and he does a really good job with that i like the fact that he does that it makes it kind of you know he's kind of clean well, he's way. the lovable loser in this one and you know and they went from like almost like movie trope to movie trope to movie trope you know oh yes yes yeah there's a lot of like yeah there's a lot of parodies within parodies within parodies i mean 
it's like it's subways it's the uh um oh what am i what's the what's the uh christopher nolan movie inception inception right it's the inception of like parody like of of teen comedy uh, oh yeah from when he Uh, was building the devil's tower with the mashed potatoes this means something i know right (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah so that's that's uh that's kind of my 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 feelings going in and and as far as you know watching it and everything like that like the high points definitely as Ashley pointed out were were the fantasy sequences. Oh, the, um, it's it opened really strong with the Raiders parody. With the Raiders parody, it opened strong with the Raiders parody and it ended strong with the Rambo parody. Yeah. Mhm. No, th- I'm like, wow, he got buff for this role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. My, my no, no, the man the what? man what? is what? like uh, again, you mentioned Christopher Nolan. Let's talk about Christian Bale, who as we all know, willing to gain a lot of weight or lose a lot of weight for a particular role. This not yeah. unlike when uh yeah. when when Yankovic did the bad video and had to gain like four hundred right. pounds. Just just, just overnight. overnight. Just, just like that. Yeah, exactly. This, this is before CGI people. You couldn't just like add yeah. pounds with a computer. No, no, you had to like had to eat food and then and throw it up. like that. And uh, uh, props to him for keeping his hair that way too. Um, <laughs> I will say that I do enjoy. We, uh, um, there, this movie is does feel a whole lot like um, Weird Al and all of his wacky friends. Uh, oh, Jay Levy's performance in Gandhi Two. Uh, might be hysterical. <laughs> uh, the idea that. that Don't lose, sucker. Yeah, yeah, give me a steak, medium rare. Um, I, the idea that. It, that's really yeah. awesome, but unfortunately for today's viewers, I don't think people realize this how movie big has a lot of dated references in it. Um, oh, town talk yeah. with it being just one big melee of, <laughs> of a fight for no reason and George getting hit in the face with a chair. You try to explain that that happened to <laughs> right. a current Fox broadcaster because uh, that happened to Geraldo Rivera. Didn't that happen to Donahue? Uh, Geraldo Rivera to was Donahue? the first one to get hit. Uh, did happen to yes. Donahue as well. Okay. Um, yes. Geraldo Rivera was, was the yeah, yeah. And also Jerry Springer, Springer later and on. And, yeah, but, uh, then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. a combination yeah. of all yeah. of them, but, right? But so, Springer's yeah. all was done so, yeah. uh, as real as, as pro wrestling. Um, whereas the Donahue and the Geraldo <laughs> ones were. Uh, quite legit, um, but yeah, there are yeah, a lot yeah. of, of of painfully dated references in this movie that's now thirty years old, um, and yet by that same token, there are sequences that are just so truly bizarre that they stand the taste the test of time. Yes, Emo Phillips as the woodshop <laughs> instructor. Who one has no time for uh, uh, Weird Al, uh, his character George, um, because he knows what a table saw is, uh, and two the entire sequence with losing the finger. Oh, that was there so is awesome. not a single was- person <laughs> who has met a woodshop instructor who's got all ten fingers. It just doesn't happen. You, you, the the, the the sequence is is predictably funny, but to me, what made me laugh out loud 
was emo Phillips delivery of, <laughs> Oh, they yes. call me Mr. Butterfingers. And I was just like, that is, it's, that's the, just the icing. Thumb, on the the thumb must be around here somewhere. Yeah. The thumb is gushing. Oh, yeah. He goes, call me Mr. Butterfingers. Oh, is my face red? And I'm like, are you <laughs> that's kidding? That's the line you're going with. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. But it works. I mean, and that's when that's when it's like really right in my face that yeah. Al is the straight man here, and that is something I did not expect going in. In as much as I, you know, thought this was going to be zany, because especially even like prior to that, prior to him getting the station, he doesn't really seem like he's going to be the straight guy because it seems like his yeah. best friend is going to be. But as soon as the station, as soon as he becomes a station manager, the the best friend, I mean, he's still there, but he kind of is just like in the background. Like he's just a member. He's just a piece of the set, really. When he was eating the dog biscuits. That was awesome. Oh, right. You know what? I didn't. I don't know if I got that. Yeah, it was was Bobo the Clown. Gotcha. And um, the uh, the frying pan thing. That take, he actually does get hit with the pan. It does bust open his lip. So the look on his oh, face wow. during that sequence Ouch. is legit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, chicken and liver flavored. Oh. Yappy's dog treats. <laughs> Which is just, that was fun and everything. But then when Stanley took over the show, it's time for the fire hose. Oh, That made me laugh. There are, I, <laughs> that made, there are certain th- even even though like he's not a like he's as I mentioned he's not a dirty uh, at all uh, or really kind of um, uh, irreverent. Um, well, maybe he's irreverent, but he's not like he doesn't get involved like with political humor or anything like that. He keeps it like I said pretty clean and pretty much on the straight and narrow. There are things in this movie like that scene with the kid and the fire, like no. you could not do now. And it's a shame because it's so funny. <laughs> the idea that mm-hmm. all these exactly. people were, open, up, yeah. open wide. Well, and the thing that all Boom. these people, like adults in this kid and these kids, are competing to find the marble in the oatmeal. <laughs> and again, yeah. someone had to sit there and go, "We need we need a scene for the movie." Oh, I got it. So this kid's going to find the marble in the oatmeal, but not a small thing of oatmeal. Like, we need a sandbox full of oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And, and do this scene. And then somebody went, yeah, yeah, this works. And then they pitched it for a movie. And an executive went, I want to see this. This intrigues me. Now, now, I can see where a lot of this stuff was really funny. When Al and Jay were writing this in their apartment or whatever and coming up with this, like, then we'll do this. That's going to be awesome, you know. But unfortunately for me, the execution of a lot of it didn't hit. Really? Wow. See, I thought it it holds up. I've thought that part, the part with the kid. That's cool. And, you know, because it's funny. When he gets blasted, it oh, yeah. holds up. But some of the other stuff, like like I said, just doesn't like like yeah the like you know the 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 um, oatmeal and the fine like all that stuff and a lot of the other stuff. Like I, I don't know how much of it was improv, how much they let Michael Richards do at the kids show, 
because I, in some ways I'm like, could you really write any of this? Okay. Uh, <laughs> come on. Come on. You, you had to me. like Wheel of Fish. Wheel of Fish was wonderful. Wheel of Fish is Wheel of awesome. Fish did not. Actually, Wheel of Fish did not. Do wow. So, wow. So what you're saying I'm is sorry. that from Wheel of Fish, you got nothing? You're so stupid! <laughs> I, I have horrible news for you, Mike. Um, Michael Richards improvs twice on Stanley Spadowski's Funhouse. And that's when he is, is that digging right? through uh, the cornflakes. And when he finds the and the entire routine with the uh, cowboy on a string, that whole ah, uh, I could see that. I could see that. That felt like that felt like something that he just did, and they put it they put it on. Um, and here's another thing. I mean, there's a sort of I think this is a little bit ahead of its time because this is right before. Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this right before Pee Wee's Playhouse? No, Pee Wee's Playhouse had already been out, I thought. Would have been close. Really? Uh, I'm going to double check yes. real quick. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. But it. Because it... I'm wondering if, if like, because I'm wondering if this is, it was, if that was sort of a take on Pee Wee's Playhouse or if this was kind of just a, like a, for, um, what do they call it? Um, okay. So Pee Wee's Playhouse came out in 1986. So it had been three years uh, after. Um, okay. To me. Gotcha. Do you think it was a? Do you think it was kind I don't of a, think a statement? So. I on think that uh, Uncle Nutsy's Funhouse, which is what it started off as, um, before it became Stanley's uh, Spadowski's Funhouse, um, was a take on the generic UHF. Um, okay, in Atlanta, it was called the Good Time Gang, and it was on Channel right, Forty Six. Exactly. It was between the cartoons. Exactly in Baltimore, we had Captain Bay, Chesapeake. Yeah. You know, uh, Bozo up and, in Chicago. Um, Right or in in DC they have Captain Twenty who was like a Star Trek. Type You're guy. kidding! Wow. No. He, well, you know, um, but you know, he is. Uh, what is it? Count Fidal is the same guy. No way. If you, cool. yeah, he was the same, same actor. Huh. So, but yeah, a lot of the, UH the same has- thing. But Peewee's is but Peewee's is a play on that. Oh show. yeah, but that, a lot of that came right. from uh, Peewee's original stage show. Uh, was the Peewee's Playhouse that we got um, from CBS? Um, but a lot of that came from his really bizarre uh, stage show that he started with the Groundlings. Uh, and true. Bill very very true. So. But yeah, I can see the similarities. Yeah, actually, uh, on a, on a- on a completely, uh, well, sort of related tangent, um, I recently heard someone talking about Tim Burton movies, and they mentioned um, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and they were the, this the, this person had had watched it, I guess, recently for the first time, and they uh, they said that they were marvel they were marveling at how the script was cool and how like they just liked how Paul Rubens was playing this 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 character that was so like innocent or whatever, and then he had all these really good lines like like all these memorable lines that became like a big thing. Like, you know, like I know what I am and what you know, yeah. that kind of thing or whatever. But, um, but I'm like, but I was thinking like, well, Pee Wee actually worked on that routine for like, Paul Rubens worked on that for like mm. 10 years oh, before yeah. that movie came out. So that stuff was already like there and they just, they it all came together for that movie. It wasn't like Tim Burton just said, I'm going to re- create this character called Pee Wee. <laughs> 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 so, and um, yeah, 
I thought it was it was it was interesting though because they built a little world around it and all these oddball characters, and it had the feel good ending with the whole telethon thing, and, and the sure, bad sure. guy ended up screwing himself, you know, pretty much by giving the penny to the homeless guy. Yep, uh, which I knew yeah, that was of course. Bad. I mean, there was no surprises. No, in this oh no, it, but it's not supposed to be. But, but it's I'm, not but, supposed to I, be. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not it's complaining that, that that I'm not complaining about like the the plot. I'm not complaining about that. I didn't expect there to be like, ooh, there's a twist at the end. You know? Yes, that he's an alien. No, <laughs> I, will, I will say this: it would have blown everybody's mind if we'd found out that R.J. Fletcher and George Newman were the same guy at the end, <laughs> and that the whole thing was just in his head. I think that would have been amazing. Um, one of the things I love uh, is is that some of the uh, subcultures that have come out of this. Um, one of my favorite uh, Easter eggs that I ever found in a game was the the game City of Heroes had uh, a rescue adventure in it, and where you had to um, rescue the UHF station's uh, chief scientist Philo. And I'm yeah. oh, really, and it was That's a rescue awesome. mission. And when you got nice. him to the front door, uh, taking care of all the mobs that would come after you because you were trying to get him out, uh, he would thank you and state that his job was done there and it was time for him to go back to his home world. And I was mm-hmm. just like, how does an obscure movie like UHF wind up becoming an inside joke? on a game that's made out of Korea and has come to the United States. And I'm just well, like, this is this amazing. Movie has, this movie though has gotten cult it classic has. status. It, you know, it was a flop, you know, cause they put it out during the summer yeah. and, you know, when, with all the Hollywood blockbusters, and it, had a, it had a $5 million budget. It's domestic gross was $6 million. It, it made a profit. It made a profit. That's true. But yeah, and so pretty much though, you know, since then though, it has truly gotten, you know, cult status. And, you know, they show it as midnight movies in some places. Hell, when Weird Al tours, he has VIP packages. William did it one year and he said, right backstage is the wheel of fish. And they let you spin it. Nice. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, this movie really does feel like kind of the perfect cult classic film. Like something like this would probably never be a big blockbuster in a theater, but over time, kind of enough people have picked up on it and it's quirky and fun. So it's always kind of cool to see some of these films find a second life after maybe films that were more popular and contemporary with it have been kind of forgotten in time now. So always, always kind of fun to see which one of these find their dedicated audience and still continue to be talked about as a fun cult classic. Oh, exactly. And that's the great thing about it is, you know, people know this movie now and, you know, I put up on Facebook just for the heck of it the other day, I put, you know, you know, the whole scene with uh, wheel of fish and, you know, people were responding to it and it was awesome. And, you know, having people do stuff like that was just, it's great. And, you know, having, you know, I didn't even put a picture or anything like that. I just put, 
you know, I said, ah, red snapper, mm, very tasty. Okay, Weaver, listen carefully. You can hold on to your red snapper or you can go for what's in the box that Hirosan is bringing down the aisle right now. What's it going to be? And people were, people were <laughs> responding to that, which was awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, people put memes up, people, you know, the whole thing. And it was just, it was awesome to see that. And, you know, people just, this movie, if you're a Weird Al fan, this is great. If you're not a Weird Al fan or you don't like some of his originals or, like you said, because after this, you had uh, the Weird Al show on Saturday mornings after he did this. So, and, you know, so this was, you know, still, this is still the beginning of his career. He had only been, like you said earlier, only doing it for 10 years at this point. And he looks, I mean, he looks so young in this movie. He looks like Mm -hmm. a baby. Well, this this is before he grew out his hair and, you know, had his laser surgery. So he didn't do the glasses anymore. And, you know, because he was known as the curly haired mustached glasses guy who played the. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's. A, it's funny to see him. I mean, as much as he sort of gets into a part, uh, he still has that trademark, you know, glasses, um, hair, like so. And he's Indiana Jones. There's the glasses. When he's Rambo, there's the glasses. You know, it's it's funny to see all that. Well, it's almost like his his Groucho mask. Well, you know? exactly. But you know, since then he's ditched most of that, and you know he has the long curly hair now, and he's just. Weird Al, and he's known for it. Has he ever done a dramatic role? No, I doubt it. I I don't I don't think he has. Like a lot of comedians do that, like at right, least once again, in their career. He's right? not an actor. Um, if, if this movie shows anything, it shows that he's not an actor. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think you have me there, but um, I, I he think but he's a performer. Oh yeah, he is a performer, and I and I I wouldn't put it past him to to be capable of putting together a a dramatic role if he wanted to. Oh, I think he could but too. I don't think he has much desire no, to do he's that because played. because his entire like he has this entire facade where you get the character, but you never you never see the okay. the, the okay. real guy. We might have something. Just in taking a look, um, and not including his uh, dramatic performance as Rivers Cuomo in the Weezer video for Africa. Um, but he's also been in like the Naked yeah, Gun movies. Yeah. But but he did appear as young Fibonacci uh, on the television series Young Math Legends. I would okay. I would assume as a math legend that would have to be a dramatic role. Maybe. Probably not. Okay. okay. I'll continue looking. Don't mind I, me. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll never see, I, you know, and, and I don't think he wants to do that. I mean, I don't think he has any desire to be on like, you know, to have a special episode of uh, Law and Order SVU, you know, like, like so many other actors or comedians have done. Right. So, um, cause I, I don't think he just feels like he has to prove that. And plus I think personally, and this is just me projecting on him, but I think personally that would allow him to have to tap into something in his real life that he doesn't want anybody to see. Oh, well, he has had tragedy in his life. So. He's had major tragedy yeah. in his life. And, and I, you know, I, sometimes I worry that, that, you know, he puts on 
that facade so much that maybe there's there's like a lot of darkness uh behind it and you know hopefully we don't he doesn't go the way of like someone like you know robin williams or something you know not to get real dark thanks wow (laughs) our movie (laughs) review just went real dark there That is not, boy, do not let Mike stay in traffic for two hours before recording an no, episode. Especially right? a happy-go-lucky um, movie like this yeah. one. Yeah, I know, exactly. But, uh, I, you know, I just, I, I appreciate it, though. I appreciate the fact that he he has this persona and that, like I said, it's clean and it's nine times out of ten, it's it's funny. And he just brings so much joy, I think, to people. Yes. It, yes. Like when you listen to a Weird Al song, like I just smile, I laugh, I get it stuck in my head for the rest of the day. And just as a performer to know that you have this long legacy of you just make people feel happy. And I think it looks like at least on stage, he's having a good time doing it. So that's that's always cool to see. And I hope he knows like how much joy and enjoyment he brings yeah. to his fans' lives. Oh, Absolutely. Especially, you know, as we as as this world deteriorates into like so much negativity out there. Uh, no matter like, you know, what you, what kind of media you pick up, it's all like really dark and depressing and edgy and whatever and, and full of angst, but not weird Al. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's managed to stay above that is because, or stay relevant. It's because he still is like kind of something that you can look at and laugh with <laughs> among all the darkness. Really? Yeah. I okay. So. I could see that. Well, it's interesting because, you know. Just not this movie. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Boy. But, you know, it's interesting because this is, we've talked about this before. Uh, in an interview, you know, Weird Al was saying, you know, how they wanted to do for this movie the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh, parody of money for nothing and they went to mark knopfler and mark knopfler went yeah no problem you could do it but there's one stipulation for it and weird i was like uh what is it i have to play the guitar in it and weird i was just like okay one of the greatest guitarists in the world asking to play on a weird Al song so that's where you it's amazing how I mean throughout his career though I mean with doing the, mu- the 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 music parodies he's gotten the original artist to either want to participate help out or other legit artists not to say that he's not legit but uh, other like names like to be appear on that stuff I mean even when he recorded like what was it uh, um, when he recorded um, what was it the uh, beat it right I mean that's got Eddie Van well, Halen yep. on it right so. I mean, he had never had a problem getting getting help like that, but um, yeah, that was uh, I, I did appreciate that little music video thrown mm-hmm. in there. and you know the commercial for Spatular City, and you know, I did yeah. like that that Spatular <laughs> City. I did like as well. I, I thought that was really. Funny. I liked it so I much. Bought the company. I bought the and company, and his eyes following the script. <laughs> exactly. So, one of the great pieces of yes. trivia about Spatular City is you know they got the big billboard in that scene. Um, apparently, uh, they actually did buy the billboard space to do that. It wasn't just on a, on a studio lot. They they found a, a, a street that didn't get any traffic that had a billboard on it, and they put up the billboard for Spatula City. Um, and they were able to get it because it was on the cheap because nobody else wanted that spot. To the point where when their contract ran out for it, 
there was no contract to follow it. So there was a Mm -hmm. billboard for spatula city uh, (laughs) for months. (laughs) And people were contacting the billboard company going, where do I find the spatula city? And they wanted to be Sony complaints. That's when the, that's when it went down. That's when the billboard came down. Oh my gosh! That is awesome, yeah. though. That is awesome. So they should have used yeah, it to advertise, advertise the, movie. the movie at least on that street. Um, I will say this: I have found another uh, uh, more more. Uh, I, I want to say dramatic role for Weird Al. Um, he appears in two episodes of Teen Titans Go as the villain Darkseid. He was. He also okay. was a, a Satan in Adam Knows Everything too. Uh, yes, he was the devil in uh, Adam Ruins Games, um, yep. and he was the Parabolator in an episode of Gravity Falls, the episode Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons. Um, but I, I think I've heard the, him say something like his 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 voice work, um, particularly on is it Gravity Falls or some new show that he uh, probably Milo Murphy's Law. Yeah. That's actually That's a wonderful it. show too, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about UHF. We are talking about. I'm trying to get on it. You caught me again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me more about uh, uh, why. Oh, why do this. I love it? That's okay. No, um, yes. I. You know, it's there's a lot of it that even Weird Al talks about the fact that this movie does not make sense, and that it is. It's and, it, and it's not a, a perfectly built film. It's a series of scenes that lump together make a make an hour and a half long movie. Um, for me, it's it's the ridiculousness of it all. Um, there's a moment in which Billy Barty gets tripped and he's and he, and he skins his uh, his elbow. I think it is. And they make it yep. they, the way they shoot it makes it look like it was a sporting event and he's just been taken out by like the, like the biggest tackle in, in the whole thing. He was tripped, but the way that they shoot it makes it look like, Oh, vengeance will be mine for you ruining my event. Uh, which I just think is beautiful. Um, the opportunity for a game show host to scream stupid at somebody, uh, for making what is blatantly <laughs> the wrong choice. I just think is wonderful. And I think that needs to happen more often. I always want to see Monty Hall do Monty that. Hall would have been okay. amazing at that. Um, I feel like Wayne Brady probably has done it. Um, oh, sure. But, oh, you know, Trebek is waiting to call somebody an idiot. I can't believe you didn't answer yeah, that question right. You idiot. How stupid are you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is an idiot? Oh, there you are, you know. Uh, Weird Al did a song on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just one day when I just like to see Pat Sajak go, really? You can't, you have to buy a vowel, really? Yeah. So, definitely. I think it's it's just a lot of fun. It's nonsense. It was 90 minutes of brain release and just laughing and enjoying. And that's what I wanted from a movie this weekend. Yeah. And, you know, it's a movie I come back to every couple of years. It's not something I watch all the yeah, time. Yeah, this is not gather around and, and watch at Christmas kind of things. This is. <laughs> exactly and so you know i have it on dvd and i know in 2014 they put out a blu-ray of it yep. 
Oh yeah, I was going to ask you if you have the 25th anniversary and what bells and whistles it comes in because it's a shock. I, I actually so have the 25th anniversary release. There's some good like, stuff on it, stuff including it the um, there is I believe it's the Comic Con uh, panel of Weird Al's, and the first thing he does when he gets on it is announces the release of the 25th anniversary Blu-ray. So it's kind of a surreal <laughs> moment there. Um, there's a couple of little things in there, uh, during the commentary track. Uh, if you're watching with the commentary, there's a moment which Weird Al kind of appears on the screen to tell Stanley Spadowski that he's about to get locked in the closet. Um, which is very bizarre. Um, and kind of just like surprises you. Um, a lot of little tips and tricks in there, but there's some, there's some good stuff in there, some deleted scenes, some extra long, uh, longer stuff, because obviously you loved emo so much. There's a couple of different, uh, versions of the emo Phillips scene. Um, so there's some good stuff in there. Honestly, though, it would not surprise me to see a 30th anniversary edition come out this year. Mm-mm. 4K version. Oh, definitely. there we go. Cause that's what this movie was missing. Exactly. Billy, Billy Barty in ultra high def. <laughs> Billy Barty in your face. It's like I don't even know why I'm watching it on a 55 inch. I mean, was the man actually 55 inches? No, no. not even. So you know, no. larger than life. <laughs> larger than life, literally. Yeah, you should have seen Judy's uh, face when uh, Raul was throwing the poodles. Oh my out gosh! The Today we're teaching poodles how to fly. Yes. And that whole routine was built around the joke, badgers, we don't need no stinking badgers. I know, of right? Course. And, of and course. this guy died I during thought... the making of the film. Yes, yes he, he was did. killed by a drunk yep. driver. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Because they were that. filming in Oklahoma, and it was all over the news. And, uh, yeah, because they had some more planned with him. And Yeah, the poodles were supposed to get their revenge. Exactly. At the yeah. very end. Of course. Yeah, well, you know, surviving. Friends of the others. Oh. None of them died. They were oh. just resting. I'm sorry. Because you got to exactly. get them psyched up. Ha, you got to get you. psyched thank up. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> you, heard him, you heard him crying yeah. outside the window. Doesn't, doesn't Weird Al know the first rule of the movie? To don't you're kill a John Wick fan. Um, yes. <laughs> and oh my gosh, a Weird Al parody is John Wick. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, see, I would, I would, I, you know, I would love to see, you know, Weird Al take on more movies parodies. I just would. I mean, he's he's just so yeah. good at the parodies. He's not and recording albums anymore. Why not? And they're and they're great. I mean, if they if if he wanted to do some sort of sequel to this, you know, I would be I would still be on board uh, and watch one it. of the. Uh, in about 30 years, I'd have to wait, you know. One of the problems... Like and you'd hate that one, too, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, it would still take him another 30 years to see it. Um, Good point. I, exactly. I think one of the problems is that... It, it, it's weird even saying this, uh, especially when you consider that Weird Al made his name uh, in a stage of two- and three-minute vignettes. But I think this kind of film to be made now would not work. And I'll tell you why, because we already got movie 43, which if you think about it is pretty much the same thing. Short little bursts of, of funny mixed with a lot of waiting for the next funny. I, 
I, I, I agree in some ways um, because I do think you're right. A movie like this couldn't be made today. And I kind of, some of the, yeah, some of that makes me sad because when I look at a lot of the, the, the freedom that it seemed like a lot of uh, creators mm-hmm. got back in the just 80, right. it doesn't exist anymore. Like, most of the comedies that come out are pretty much it's, it's all business the same and no show kind of anymore. When it comes to show business, yeah, you don't get you don't right. get creative visions anymore. You don't get uh, folks just like because I'm pretty sure that Orion had no idea. They were just like, just let Al do what he does. He's really good at the videos. He's going to make us some money. Just so, just you know, give him some money and just let him do what he does, and hopefully that'll help save our little until we make uh, the next company big mistake. Yeah, Woody Allen. Yeah, he's doing it. Um, so, um, uh, you know, and unfortunately, he didn't help. But um, you know, he did get a chance to do this movie for for better or for worse. He got a chance to do this on his terms. You know, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it was literally like it, I mean, it was almost like True to Life, where they, you know, where the studio gave him some money to create this vision, and he, you know, just like he does with the. Um, with the studio, the TV studio, um, and to mixed results for 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 me. But uh, you know, overall, I I I I like the fact that he was given a chance to do this vision. And, and you're right; I don't think they would like a studio would be like it would would say like, "Hey, just here's some money, just do your thing." Um, I haven't seen too many people being able to take chances yeah. like that anymore. No. Very much so, but you do have like, you know, YouTube or in, independent film channel and stuff like that that does stuff similar. Yeah, I, I think but, you know they take, take a show like chances. Portlandia um, would exactly. definitely take a very heavy uh, um, homage to the the mindset behind UHF. Nope, that's a great. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also just, you know, sketch comedy strung exactly. together with that, a loose it, plot. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. So it yeah. falls under the yeah. CTV <laughs> or, or the state uh, or, or anything like that. But again, these were all, you know, at the times that they came on, were very cutting edge because they definitely were outside of the normal realm of what we saw as situational or even sketch comedy. Um, so, but... Yeah, but if you think about it, I mean, when you went to see a comedy in the eighties, there, there's, I mean, Weird Al gets to do this. He's it's one movie, but then you've got like um, on the uh, you got all the SNL alumni doing their thing. Uh, you've got Pee Wee Herman doing his thing. I mean, you've got um, you know a couple of Monty <laughs> Python movies coming out. Um, I mean, there's like there's a very distinct difference between like all these um, comedies that are, are, are being released. And I'm just like, that's just a short list of ones that are coming to mind. I'm sure there's like tons of others, you know, and then you got your, you know, your teen sex comedies coming out at that time too. They're just being churned out. But and it's also the, the, I think the beginning maybe of the birth of the John Hughes film. So you've got that whole wave and it's just like, it's just a really creative time, I think, um, which I, I just, I miss, I miss that time. Nope. Totally understand that. So I think we've been talking enough about this for tonight. We've been going for a bit and, you know, we're not going to go ahead and rate it or anything like that. Because, you can't rate you know, genius. No, exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah, it's fives all around yeah, for it's, everybody. It's just established that it's fives all around. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, but definitely, if yeah. you're a Weird Al fan, I definitely would recommend this for to go check uh, it out. It is available on Amazon Prime oh, right sure. now. Actually, it's not. Is it anymore. not? No, they pulled. Not. They pulled it yeah. as of April first. Oh, that's How hysterical! Because that? I like had it. I had it <laughs> queued on my list. Yeah. That's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. I had, oh, to, I had to pay harsh. the rental fee. Wow. I paid. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. <laughs> I'm gonna make everybody pay. Damn it! No, just kidding. Yeah, it's Weird Al's fault that he sat in traffic for two hours. I'm actually glad. You know, this is one of the reasons why. I mean, many, many, many reasons why I like doing this show. And I'm, I was glad that we picked this movie because I was like, oh, I've never, you know, had a chance to really sit down and watch this. So this is great, and I'm glad I saw it because now I get a lot of references that I might have missed. Wait before. till you see him in you concert know. again, dude. You'll see. Oh, that's from. That that's from that yeah. you know that type of thing. That's probably so, true. That's because you know, like we said earlier, Weird Al does multimedia and stuff. This tour, I'm not so sure he's going to because he's going to be touring with Symphony. Oh, uh, he's according to the last press conference, they said that he was still going to be doing you know costume changes and everything. So, oh, is he still with his band? Oh, I, he that's another thing. I was band. like, you know, I saw that the bandmates, you know, and the credits. I saw that the bandmates named, and I was like, man. That band oh, has yeah. been with him. They've forever. been front with him since the very yeah. beginning. That's amazing. Like that's another thing I got to give him credit to too. I mean, he stays loyal mm-hmm. to, to. If you guy. ever get a chance, go into YouTube. This last tour when Weird Al did the all his original songs, not any of the covers. Uh, he did each show. He did one cover of a real band song. And he did each city, he did a different one. So all 77 stops, he did a different mm-hmm. song. He did, he did a video, uh, combining all of them into one video. He did portions of the songs. You could hear all of them and the band plays them perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got and, one of the you know, best bands, uh, around it, which is again, it's, it's, yep. it proves your point, Mike, that he absolutely deserves a spot in the, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, they need to take the stick out of their butts and get them in there. Nope, agreed. So, thank you guys for listening. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome to a Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about the robot restaurant in Shinjuku, Japan. A few months ago, I had the opportunity to visit the robot restaurant in Shinjuku, Japan, an area of Tokyo. Now, to start off, this is a huge tourist trap, but also incredibly pop culture Japan in the aspect of the storyline and how they put the show on. The storylines rotate depending on the time of year you go see it. When I was there in October, I got to see a storyline of robots versus woodland spirits and a Japanese version of the Mexican holiday Day of the Dead and a few other storylines as well. Those were the two that really stood out for me the most, though. The robot versus woodland spirits was like an elaborate theater version of Power Rangers. And the Day of the Dead version was a very interesting watered down skimming the edges of the Mexican holiday and just made it a very Japanese storyline for their robot show. Overall, this show had lights, action, amazing music and storylines and was very action packed and interesting from start to finish. 
it's really cool, and I'm glad I was able to see this cluster of lights and stories. If you're in Tokyo and decide to go see this show, I do suggest getting your tickets very early since it does regularly sell out. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Air Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Ashley, thank you once again for joining us. Oh, thank you. I always love chatting about movies with you guys. Oh, it's always good talking about movies with you, too. That's great. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out. Um, this past weekend, I went to my first con of the year, my local... Um, uh, Planet Comic Con in Kansas City and they always do a really great job putting it together so um, if any of our listeners are in that area, uh, look mark your calendars for next year but they do a great job. I was really curious to see um, it's my first con to go to after Dragon Con and even though it's a lot bigger I was impressed with just still the amount of guests and vendors they're able to get so um, I've definitely got con fever again for this year and can't wait for my next one, but just want to give them a quick shout out. They did a great job putting on the con. Excellent. It's always great seeing your pictures too. It looks like you had a blast. It's fun. I have it. I'm still sorting through all my cosplay pictures, hoping to get those posted, but that's honestly my favorite part is just seeing all the amazing cosplayers and all the hard work people do. So always a good time. Fantastic. And next you got Star Wars, I guess. Yeah, so now that I'm kind of still recovering from that con, I'm starting to frantically throw stuff into a suitcase and get ready for Chicago. So we'll see if I'm a, how calm I am next week for the Shazam review, if I have any hair left or if I pulled it all out. So <laughs> stay tuned. Well, you could always put it up like Ray so you don't have to worry That's about true. it. That's true. I might just have a wig because I'm so frazzled by that point. So <laughs> we, we if, shall if see. If you pull all your hair out, you wind up looking like the alien girl from Star Trek, and that's wrong. There you go. I, I could just go as Snoke at that point, too. So we'll, we'll see. You could go as Snoke because then it's, just, it's bathrobe just, and you're done. Just get me a gold bathrobe. That might be comfier than my other cosplay, the so we'll have to see. cosplay, yeah. That might not wrap. That's not... Wow, that might just be the easiest cosplay ever. <laughs> you sit in a chair the whole time. There you go. I don't see a downside. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley, for not only giving us a shout-out, but giving us the con report. For this. Uh, there you go. Just wrap it all up into one. <laughs> exactly. Wow. There we go. And Alex, thank you, my friend. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's the month of Ashley, so uh, I was excited to be a part of this episode. So... Oh, yeah. Well, basically, you know, we're going to be doing movies pretty much from this point on through the end of the summer. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah. begins. Yeah. <laughs> A long, long time ago. No. <laughs> That's December. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of Weird Al. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be awesome. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I uh, was going to do a shout out about uh, the DDPY Summit that I got a chance to go to, but... Got the word while we were talking. Maury Laws, uh, who was the Rankin Bass composer and arranger, passed away at 95. Oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Maury, thank you so much for the orchestral settings for Holly Jolly Christmas and There's Always Tomorrow. Uh, also, did the uh, music for the 1977 adaptation of The Lord of the Rings and Hobbit videos that were done 
by Rankin Bass. So uh, sorry to hear about this. He was 95 years old. Good long life, but uh, thank you for everything. Ooh, gotcha. Wow, that was really big, and he's majorly a part of our childhood. Oof. Yeah, yeah. So Definitely sad. And Mr. Mike, you made it. Thank you for joining us tonight after all the trouble you had. I know, right? That was uh, whew, that was Atlanta traffic. Even sometimes it even has to outdo itself for being really horrible. But uh, nope, I was glad to do it. Glad to to be here to talk all about uh, UHF. I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad I finally saw it. So, anything you want to shout out about? Uh, yes, I want to give a shout out to. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to a band that you and I saw uh, over the weekend. Um, Band of Friends, actually, a celebration of Rory Gallagher featuring um, uh, the amazing uh, guitar virtuoso known as Davy Knowles. Um, I, look, on this show, I've talked about Davy Knowles before, how much I, uh, I really appreciate him. He's one of my favorite guitarists, one of my favorite musicians out there. And I've been waiting and hoping when he announced that this tour that he's doing with um, uh, the old bandmates of uh, guitar legend Rory Gallagher, uh, this collection, this tour that he's doing with uh, them as a tribute to Rory Gallagher, uh, I've been hoping comes to Atlanta for a long time. And so my expectations were high, but my goodness, this show just blew them uh, completely away. It was This was an amazing performance by Davey and Jerry McAvoy, who played bass, and he played bass with uh, Rory Gallagher. Unfortunately, the drummer of uh that was on this tour as part of um uh rory gallagher's band uh passed away in january so he wasn't able to join uh on this so uh that was uh so it was kind of a tribute to actually two uh rory gallagher bandmates but uh the guy who played the drums uh for this set uh mike nelson i believe is his name uh he uh was amazing the whole like just the three of them were just outstanding one of the best uh, blues shows one of the best performances i've ever seen um they just finished this leg of the tour they finished uh, that was the last date that they had but i i am positive that these guys will be touring again and if they come to your town you have to see them uh this is this is a must see as far as i'm concerned the energy they put off was just amazing and they looked like they were just having so much fun up there Absolutely. They, they, I don't know if it was just because it was the last time, last show on the tour that they let it all out on the stage. It was just phenomenal. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was great. I was, like I said, I was not disappointed. If they ever come even close to here, I'm, I'm there again. So. so, And thank you for coming along, Mike. That was fun. Oh, Judy and I both enjoyed ourselves. It's always good to hang out with, with you guys. And, you know, it was great to do. And anytime to go see live music, I think it's Judy's and I's music. It's just great. Anything from the small venues like Mike and I went to at the Vista Room here in Atlanta, all the way up to the big stadiums. Like, I don't even know what's, I think it's State Farm Arena now or whatever it's called tomorrow or today they change it all the time with the different stadiums but you know it's just it's great to go see you know all these things and that's gonna be my shout out actually is to go see and support live music it's some of the best entertainment and you don't have to spend an arm and a leg folks you know some of these concerts are just grossly expensive hundreds of dollars to go see certain artists and you can go see you know 
local people for free a lot of times or going to see for a couple bucks, 10, $15, you know, someone like we saw on Saturday and it's just, it's just great to go see concerts like that. And it's just a blast. And it's also bonding because you meet people who like the same things you do. And it's a great way to meet friends. And it's just, it's just a blast. So it's pretty awesome. Hey, this is Mike. We just had a little audio problem and the microphone stopped working at the end of the podcast. So we, you know, worked around it, said thank you to Alex and Ashley and Mike Gordon. And I want to thank everybody at home for listening. So thank you. Thank you so, so much. Join us again next week when we will be looking at Shazam! That's right, folks. The summer movie season is pretty much upon us, and we're going to pretty much be talking about summer movies for the rest of the year. <laughs> Not quite, but close. But So Shazam is coming up. We're going to have a great conversation. We've got some great people lined up to talk about it, and we will talk to you then here on the Air Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.